Welcome once again to the show called Midnight. Well, almost midnight. It's midnight adjacent. It's getting up there, folks. I need to uh, apologize for my voice uh, right away. (laughs) I'm just getting over the wretched COVID. I normally don't like to talk about nonsense like this, but I just, yeah, this is what happened lately. It kicked my ass, man. (laughs) I'm, I'm not one of those lucky people who got to say, like, yeah, I got COVID. Barely felt it. No, it it strangled me. It made me its bitch for about a week now. I'm still having lingering sinus issues. But you know what I did though? I watched Campfire Tales 1991, and I watched it one and a half times. Why one and a half? Well, I didn't want to watch the pirate story again. We'll get to that down the road. Um, lately. In my my small world, I've gotten absolutely nothing done. For horror reviews recently, I picked a few off the shelf the other night and watched a couple for the second time. Let's see, what did I watch? Or for the third or 90th time. I can't remember. All these movies are getting conflagrated in my brain. The older I get, the less of a tenuous grasp I have on what I've seen and what I haven't seen. I know I pulled down popcorn and watched it because that's one of my favorite ones. It's a bit of a nostalgic favorite. Um, yeah. Other than that, not much. I've been watching Campfire Tales 1991. It was between 91 and 96, but I figured... Or 97, rather. Whichever. But I, I figure might as well do the first one first. It's funny, I put it out on Twitter. that This was the one I was watching, and then somebody said... The official Campfire Tales are, are like the one that matters. And I'm like, I, I love that you love it, but I, I like 96 or 97 just as much. They definitely have uh, different qualities from one another, you know? But uh, ultimately, not, not quite not the same movie. Not by a stretch. I did watch The Black Phone on HBO Max the other day. No, Amazon Prime. My apologies. Yeah, I watched The Black Phone. It was great. It was really good. I could have used mm, just a bit more horror, terror, but, you know, it was quite good. I read the story a couple times, and I, and each time I kept thinking to myself, I don't know how they're going to stretch this out. It was a bit of a 1408 situation, but you know what? They did a great job. Uh, they shot the hell out of it, but that's always been one of Scott Derrickson's strong suits. They wrote the hell out of it. I it was great, you know. Ethan Hawke was good. The young the young boy stole the movie. He's great, terrific. Actually, the entire kid cast did a great job. I don't have a single complaint about any of them. And James Ransone gets to show up, and he's one of my favorite character actors from the last few years, and I wish he would do more. He was, uh, he played Deputy So-and-So in Sinister 1 and 2, both great movies. He played the adult Eddie Kasprak in It Chapter 2, and he was Ziggy on The Wire Season 2, which is a completely different character from everything you've seen him do. The guy has range. No, that's a great one. If you haven't seen it, give it a shot. 
No, I was miserable. So I've kind of been staying away from from anything that I, you know, anything horror for a while. And I've just been binging Cheers because it's my safe place. I like that, those asinine, awesome sitcoms from back in the day. They're kind of my comfort food. And when I need my comfort food, I tend to go a little bit too far. I watched The Incubus for the second time. And that is a nuts movie. <laughs> I do really like it, though. If you haven't seen The Incubus, if you've been putting it off, watch it. It's got John Cassavetes in it. And um, it's about a thought-based demon-type thing that runs around attacking and killing women. And yeah, it's interesting. <laughs> it's from the early 80s, which is the sweet spot. There's a few movies called Incubus, so just letting you know. So you watch the right one, because I believe the other ones were, you know, not quite as good. You got that Shatner one from the 60s, and then you got the one with Incubus with a K with Tara Reid in it, which Tara Reid's a good indication to stay the fuck away. No, I think hers was I or with a C. The one with the K, I think, was the one with Robert England and William Forsyth. I'm getting all my Incubus, Incubi mixed up fuck i don't even know if that's the pro the appropriate eh it'll do what's hard is when you when you get the time to finally if you as a parent when you get time to finally watch something it's kind of been on your brain for so long that ev all these different movies are kind of competing for your interest and uh, you like to you would like to think you'd pick out a favorite but sometimes you end up just watching just the first thing you come across, because God knows if you stand in front of... If I stand in front of my wall of media for too long, it just infuriates me. So I just grabbed the one... The first one that I'd only seen once, and that was Trapped Alive. Uh, from 1988, was it? With Cameron Mitchell? Yeah, it's pretty good. I, I don't know why. It's it's kind of clumsy and stupid, but I like it. I like the uh, the mind setting. Very My Bloody Valentine-ish. That's pretty good time. Yeah, it's a pretty good time. I wouldn't go out of my way by a long shot, but it was fun. Fun little flick. Yeah, if I, if I stand in front of the media wall for too long, I'll just say to my old lady, I'll just say, I don't know why I own thousands of movies when I just usually end up watching The Evil Dead, which is which was my go-to movie for years. So I've seen that about 400 times. But it never gets old. I, f I fucking love The Evil Dead. Or Tales from the Crypt. I've watched and rewatched that series about six or 700,000 times. Because it never gets old, you know? <laughs> so I was kind of laboring over the decision on which anthology to tackle next. See, I'd done Dr. Terror's House of Horror. It feels like it's been a while. <laughs> it's been at least a month. And I felt bad, so I just had to find one and kind of soldier forth. And I've been wanting to do Campfire Tales for forever. I didn't run across this one until I was, like, on Amazon. This would have been... Right after my daughter was born back in 2012. And uh, I was just adding a bunch of random horror movies to my cart like I do. And I was I saw one of Campfire Tales. And uh, the cover was like some woman screaming and Gunnar Hansen. And my first thought is, this isn't Campfire Tales. I've seen Campfire Tales. It used to run on cable. Like nonstop back in the day. I saw it on Stars back in the day. And it kind of freaked me out. I, it was during my sleepless period when I was a kid, so I had a weird night. I, I stayed up all night watching uh, The Ice Storm, and then Campfire Tales, and then that really weird comedy with Eric Idle and Rick Moranis called Splitting Airs. 
Oh, that's probably the first time that's been movies ever been talked about out loud. <laughs> it's not bad though. I didn't hate it. Had a very, very, very young Catherine Zeta Jones in it. But yeah, yeah, Campfire Tales 90, 91 was just an enigma to me. So I ordered it and I got it. And, you know, it was very low budget. I, I knew that from the, from the get-go. But, but I'm not sure if it's shot. I don't think it's shot on video. Or if it's shot on video and it's just processed to look vaguely filmish. But it, it, it both looks cheap and not quite as cheap as it could look at the same time. If that makes any sense whatsoever. But we pretty much open up on the three most early 90s kids you've ever seen in your life. And if you're asking how early 90s they are, well, one of them has a juicy mullet. That's right. It would have been weird to see a mullet back in the day. Except for now, apparently that that haircut's making a comeback that I, I can't even fathom. And I'm like, I'm the least fashionable person ever. And I, I just, I couldn't tell you why. I know, business in the front, party in the back. It sounds like a good time, but... Oh, man, I don't know. I, I Ever since they made Joe Dirt, it's it's got to make you think, maybe this, is, maybe this shouldn't be the way that I cut my hair. One of my nephews had a mullet for a while, and I kind of had to bite my tongue. I was like, I don't know why you're doing this, but... I mean, I support you, I guess. Picture these kids as, like, the guys who beat up the Goonies. We got a fat kid and then two scrawny kids. Fat kid even isn't that fat. He's just, he's <laughs> he's got a budgy face and a backwards cap. Because it's 1991. And they're in the middle of the woods having a camp out, which is, it sounds like a blast when you're a kid. You know what I mean? Like, it sounds great. But as as an adult watching this, you're just thinking like, where are their parents? You know what I mean? Like, do they, do they know that they're out in the middle of the woods? Do they know that they're they're uh, rubbing elbows with hobos and transients and all kinds of, I don't know. I mean, Lyme disease, like there's a laundry, I mean, I don't know. I guess I'm an introvert, like extreme, so I, I barely breach my front door. <laughs> so I better shut the fuck up about this. So these three kids are having themselves a nice little camp out in the middle of the rando woods. And uh, they're doing that bullshit, you know pubescent uh male posturing then they send fatty out to get some some sticks sticks for the fire one of these kids by the way has an exorcist t-shirt which is great it's just reagan's face you can barely even tell because it's not the greatest definition but you know go boys so as chubby is looking for the by the way i, I don't mean to body shame here i'm a fat person i'm a great big fat person so I can't say any <laughs> I can't say anything. Um I'm not like 600 pound life or anything, but I definitely I definitely don't need to be casting aspersions to anybody's way. <laughs> but yeah, Chubby is going into going out to look for some sticks, uh, trips himself up and he finds himself in front of a transient who looks a lot like the guy who played Leatherface in the Texas Chainsaw Massacre 1974. Oh my lord. So he runs back to his friends, and then the Hobo Joe, a.k.a. Gunnar Hansen, purportedly, reportedly one of the sweetest human beings in the world, played a maniac to great avail. And this, and at this point, he's just like, hey guys, uh, it's kind of chilly out here. You mind if I warm, uh, warm myself by the fire? Where's your parents? 
Let's take our pants off. No, he doesn't say that, but that's like exactly what you'd be afraid of. Like if my kid was out there, this is the, this is exactly the situation I don't want him to be in. This kind of reminds me of the beginning of Spookies where the kid's running away, ran away from home and then he just runs into the random <laughs> homeless person in the woods and you're just thinking, "Where is everybody's parents?" I know that we're not quite it's not quite like wedged into the global consciousness yet where we're just kind of questioning everything and everybody the way we should be but this was kind of like a more simple time no not a single cell phone in sight so you have to you have to just hope that you trip in the woods and run across a b-movie celebrity who is ready to tell you some scary stories the boys and derelict donnie are having themselves a dialogue about what they're doing out there in the woods and they're talking about all the magazines they brought. They brought Vault of Horror, looks like, some Fangoria with Leatherface on the cover. And that's when homeless Hank decides, I'm going to just traumatize these kids for the rest of their lives. So he says, okay, I got a story. And it's more terrifying than anything you guys could think of. Do you know why? Because it's true. Well, at first he's like a little sully, works into the conversation. He's like, you boys have any girlfriends? And they're like, no. So he's like, well, if you ever get a girlfriend, don't take her the abandoned road a little ways away from this forest. And then we, we open up into our first story, which is, it's just the hook. The old urban legend. It's filmed competently. The acting is really decent. It's just a couple, couple early 20s. They're probably supposed to be teenagers, but they're clearly in their 20s. Making out pretty good in a car. The guy's getting heated and the chick says... Let's turn on the radio. They turn on the radio, and of course they say, A state mental patient with a hook for a hand. They also said the guy's name, but that blew right over my head. Flew out of my head. <laughs> Something, I think the guy's last name was Gore, which is fucking apropos. So yeah, we got ourselves an escape mental patient. Girl freaks out. The guy just wants to get laid. You know, same old story. Men have no survival instincts, for real. Their judgment's so clouded and one track that, yeah, that's why it's final girl and not final guy. She convinces him to take her to her house. So she said, I'll go in and get you some pie. When she goes in, she's finding her family members just brutally murdered. I wonder if this has anything to do with that, that escaped mental patient with the hook. By the way, it seemed to be really, really easy to escape mental hospitals back in the day. Of course... Ronnie Reagan came along and he made, you know, he made sure nobody was escaping from those places because he just shut them the fuck down. <laughs> and then they flooded the streets. Anyway, turns out Hooky McHookhand took out her family. And while she was inside discovering that scene, Hooky McHookhand took out her BF, her shitty BF, her SBF. Now, the, the guy has, he does have a hook, but it's not like a hook I've ever seen in my life. It looks like the end of a crowbar, but god it's so hard to describe it's it's the most obscure thing i've ever seen in my life it ends in a point instead of a curve like a hook and it's just like it's got like prongs almost i don't know know what this thing would be useful for but nevertheless he does use it to attempt to kill her he chases her around we have a nice little great value chase scene a good budget chase but she fights him off, and at one point, de-hooks him, pulls it right out of his stump, he's bleeding all over the place, and uh, he gets disemboweled with his own hooky thing, and uh, she fucks off into the woods, that's the end of our segment. Yeah, not bad, it's pretty good, uh, low-budget, 
retelling of that classic urban legend that everybody's heard. Actually, this story was the first story from Campfire Tales 96, if you can believe that. I mean, it's not hard to imagine because, it's like I said, it's classic urban legend, but it's kind of funny that both these movies, called the same thing, have the same first story. Kind of fucking cool. We come back and these, uh, these preteen boys, or, I don't know, they're like 12, 13, little shits, they're still talking with Hobo Hank, and they said that was a pretty sick story. And one of them, one of the boys whips out a doobie. So you can tell how this is going, right? They they set up their own stories. Gunnar Hansen says, what you got there? And then he says, it's, uh, you know, it's the whack tobacco. It's the mean green. It's the, I don't know. They said it's wheat. And he said, you want to be careful with that. You never know what could happen. In fact, I got a story about that. And I bet he's going to tell us. I bet. And he does. So this next story is pretty much, mm, drugs are bad. Uh, that's an oversimplification of it, but yeah, this is the drugs are bad story, but yeah, it's done, it's done pretty well, so we forgive it. So these guts, these two guys are just driving around, they ain't got nothing to do, and they, they, uh, they go to buy some weed off these, uh, the shady character. Turns out it's oregano, which is hilarious. So what are two put upon stoners to do in this day and age? They go to an even shadier person to get some weed and I have no idea how they know this person but I don't know once they get there it's already a little off kilter because the the person who lets them in it looks like he's got like leprosy or some shit going on with his face he's just not looking great so uh that's red flag number one they step over number two the guy pretty much gives them <laughs> this pot and they they don't they don't they don't look they don't look too hard in the gift horse's mouth here they kind of just grab the bag of green and go the guy said that he was—he just randomly found it growing in his backyard, which is, which is what you want to hear. And these guys—they take it back to their—I don't know—basement. This definitely. This looks like a basement. This looks like one of their moms is gonna holler down any second and ask them if they want lemon squares. But no, they're just hanging out in the basement, getting high and watching random public domain horror movies on TV. Uh, you know, it sounds like my weekend most of the time. The one guy's brother stops by to give him the uh, drugs are bad speech. Yeah, to his credit, yeah, he's not coming off too uh, too bad in this story because, let's listen, drugs are bad. So they smoke it. The verdict is in. Good shit. So they they keep smoking it, smoking it, smoking it, smoking it. I, I think they're actually watching Reefer Madness, but I might be wrong. I could be wrong, but it definitely looks like it. So yeah, they you know they start rotting a little bit. Their complexion takes a header. They start looking like the undead a little bit, like like the dude at the at the apartment. And of course, they go to get more weed, and uh, the guy just gives it to him. It's looking even more worse for the wear. Tripping, you know, all over all those red flags. I don't see a red flag here. You got to be careful with this stuff, with what you put in your body. If you're lucky, it's oregano, and if you're not, it's what these guys get a hold of. So they take it back and they're in this this stoner state of euphoria where they just got a big old bag of weed and a 13 inch black and white television and life is just pretty good. Except that their, their rotting starts picking up a bit. The one guy lifts his leg and his foot comes off. Yeah, and then it just kind of turns into a budget version of Street Trash there where they just... They finish melting. 
It's not bad. I mean, they probably had about 10 bucks to carry it out, but yeah, like I said, it's not bad. You never get the sense that the budget kind of keeps them from telling the story they want to tell. I actually think it adds to it. This whole thing has this very charming regional horror kind of feel to it. Even that if you don't like, I totally get it. <laughs> I totally get it. But uh, it's, you know, as far as I'm concerned, it's it's a good time. I love it. So thusly ends the uh, the skeeziest PSA you'll ever see about pot, which is hilarious. Clearly the lesser of most evils when it comes to drugs and alcohol. As long as you respect boundaries, doses, the right time under the right circumstances. Just, it's, you know, it shouldn't be illegal. Let's put it that way, but I do think that responsibility does need to be engaged in when you're doing it. So if you ever get offered pot from a dude who says that he found it growing out of his backyard, you know, maybe at least take a take a glance at the plant that he got it from at least. Then if it looks like something that grew out of the ground after a meteor crashed, maybe don't do it. Maybe then you will you'll get a little bit of the Tenafly Viper in your system and you will street trash all over your mom's basement. And I mean, how's Helen going to get that shit out of those sheets? You don't think about that. You just think about yourself. Getting high and melting with your buddy in the basement. Yeah, but yeah, it's fun. Low budget regional fun. So far, the pace is keeping up pretty well, though. The acting is acceptable. It's a very low budget, so obviously the less money you have, the less actual talent you can get. But everybody... Everybody does very serviceably. It's 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 well done, and so far, two for two, two very decent stories. But we're coming up on my favorite, oh, my favorite story. So we come back, and transient Tommy is telling them about Christmas. For whatever reason, they find. By the way, I know it's dangerous on the outside but the idea of like being spun yarns verbally from some some big bearded hitchhiker that looks like Gunnar Hansen it sounds like the funnest night ever I'm as long as he doesn't actually end up murdering you or like selling you into white slavery it, it just sounds like it would be a blast you know campfire good stories Gunnar Hansen but you'd probably end up getting stabbed or told a story now, in this story, we are introduced to this guy. He's a bit of a yuppie. He's hanging He's hanging in there, yuppie culture. Want to be yuppie. And he's talking to his mom on Christmas. He, he comes to her house. And he's telling her about how he is baroque. And apparently she'd given him a couple thousand dollars to help him start. And he spent it all on business cards and suits and shit and... He thought his existence was going to yield him some kind of wealth, but he's just this very entitled asshole fucking kid. It was, you know, the kind that never grow up. So he's actually like guilt tripping his mom over him being a fucking shitty businessman and just ugh, on Christmas of all days. And this is beautiful mom, just, you know, so warm and kind. And he's all and he's down the dumps about, you know being a turd and at some point i guess it clicks to him that he's like well i mean my mother is well insured so you know this goes back to the ec comics you know in the 50s and tales from the crypt and such where they just give you a reprehensible person and they do something reprehensible and then something 
karmic and beautiful happens to them. And this is definitely one of those stories. So he ends up like tricking his mom into coming to the top of the tippy top of the stairs there. And he sends her careening down the stairs into the basement, which isn't a nice thing to do, especially on Christmas. I guess he's planning on playing this out as like some kind of accident, clearly. She was cooking dinner, and then she just, oh my, and she just took a header down the stairs. Anyway, he gets a call from his brother. I guess they live right next door to them, and uh, he needs to take his, he needs to run to the hospital real quick, something to do with his his arm or something. So, um, so he asks his brother to watch his kids so that him and his wife could go to the emergency room. So the brother says, you know what, I'll come over there and watch him. Why not? I just got done killing our mom. I'll be right over. So he's watching these kids, and the kids are playing Scrabble with him. And uh, he can't even be bothered to be a good uncle. He's a bit of a turd. But um, the little, there's a little girl and a little boy, and the little girl starts telling the tale about how there is a good Santa Claus and a bad Santa Claus. Now, this might be the closest we get to a representation of of a kind of Krampus. It's not the Krampus, but this is definitely like Santa Claus, evil. Basically, they said if you rearrange the letters in Santa, you get Satan, which you do. So this anti-clause, he doesn't bring you presents, he brings you punishment. Well, he says, uh, he tells the kids to get in bed, and he says, well, that's a little poppycock. Not even sure if I use that word in the right context. Now, that's pure humbug. There's no such thing as a bad Santa Claus. I mean, if there was, I mean, they'd probably visit me tonight because I just killed my mom. So later that night, <laughs> you know, he gets the kids to bed, and then uh, stuff starts popping off. He gets a visit at the front porch from this guy in this really cool makeup he kind of looks like well just imagine what like very industrious low budget people could do with makeup and trying to make an uh an evil looking santa claus and you're, you're pretty much on the road there he's it looks pretty freaking cool it helps there's no def there's it's not high definition it's nowhere near it so it's kind of just in in good shadow and they the atmosphere builds it up pretty good and i I love it, and then he just, he kind of proceeds to be kind of stalked here and there through the house by this, by this Satan Claus character, and he's finally cornered in an upstairs bedroom, and we don't quite see what happens to him until the brother comes home from the hospital and finds his brother just eviscerated, wrapped in Christmas lights, stuck to the front door. Merry Christmas. I think the reason I like this one so much is that it kind of, like I said, it's a very cozy, familiar story. Like, it's one we've been told, and it's the closest to Tales from the Crypt that we get. I love the the Christmas setting. It's not too overdone. You know what I mean? They couldn't even afford snow, but it does kind of feel like Christmas in there, because you got the, the trees and the such and the whatnot, and the ambiance. And the idea of, like, an evil Santa Claus, especially if you can carry it off with the 10 bucks you have in your pocket just mazel tov just great job guys and like the director of this movie is paul talbot and he he hasn't done much but he's done he's been involved in two other anthologies that i'm gonna cover he helped direct a movie called freak show which came out was about 95 um all three of them by the way have gunner hansen in them so it's a really cool kind of trilogy of low budget earnest just kind of lovingly made anthologies with Gunnar Hansen 
So you have um, Campfire Tales in 91, Freak Show in 95, and then uh, Hellblock 13. I can't remember when that came out. Late 90s-ish. But that's the end of Satan Claus. And the beginning of Hobo Joe telling them about pirates. Which spins us off into the last segment. And it's this kind of... It's like a potpourri of pirates, treasure, zombies. And you gotta hand it to them. They, they don't have any money to play with. But if you thought at the beginning of this $1.50 anthology that you were going to get pirate zombies by the end of it. That's just amazing. Like, these guys are really talented. You know, low budget gets a bad name. I think it's because there's a lot of talentless people working in low budget. But every now and then you get somebody like this who can kind of spin a bit of gold out of just nothing. And it kind of, like, just warms your heart a bit (laughs) you know what i mean because once you peel through all those other fucking layers of shit direct a video shot on shittio different you know movies that were made for about 75 bucks they put all their money in the artwork and then you read it and you hate yourself and then every now and then you find campfire tales from 1991 this last story however is definitely my least favorite, and it's only because it runs a wee bit long, and it's fairly repetitive. This this gentleman, clearly a pirate, finds himself washed up and starts to get his bearings about this. He finds a cabin boy who seems to know him, and then he runs into this, this man in a cabin, this black man in a cabin, and I think the idea is he's been there before, he buried his treasure, killed his men, and apparently this this man in the cabin tells him, well, you're going to be seeing your buddies again, so good news. And then with the rest of this, what we have is Curse of the Black Pearl, made for about $8. And the guy goes for it with the pirate accent, too. He's, he's, not, he's not subtle. He, he goes for the whole, yarr. Arr, I'd be fighting off these young, and and they they have the practical effects clearly because you you can't afford to even be in the same room as a computer, so practical stunts, practical effects, and you know it won't blow your mind or anything, but it's very serviceable, especially for what you what you end up with. So they probably just had a beach and a lot of dreams. So he starts fighting off the undead zombies until. Uh, he becomes one. <laughs> they get the upper hand. I'm sorry. The reason why I'm kind of like long story shorting this is that it's it's fairly repetitious. It's like he fights this one off, like escapes him, cabin boy, fights this one off, and then he finally meets his end after trying to get his his gold. Because that's in that where greed will lead us all at the end of the day, straight to hell. And um, this, I think the reason why this one's the longest, obviously, is because it's got the most production value. When that happens, you tend to kind of dwell, for lack of a better word, on it. So this 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 segment's almost uh, about a half hour on its own, where the rest of the movie's barely an hour beyond that. And I think that might have been a mistake. It kind of feels like the willies, in a way. 
in which the last segment kind of takes up too much time and it kind of feels a little overloaded on the back end. You spend so much time, you know, watching the the severely low budget Curse of the Black Pearl that you you even forget the year. There's this other world where Leatherface is telling these young boys random stories, including this one. So Hobo Joe wraps it up. He says, yeah, that's the tale of the zombie pirates submitted for the approval of the Midnight Society. And then he throws dust into the campfire. That would be so cool. But no, this isn't Nickelodeon in the 90s. This is Campfire Tales in 1991. And he says, yeah, so there's your stories, boys. And they're all kind of a little weirded out. I don't know if they're... Uh, the, the, my retention of it's kind of off. I, I don't know if they're meant to be scared or just kind of bored in general, which I suppose you would be if somebody tried to describe to you a bunch of zombie pirates and, and anti-Santa Clauses and men with hooks. They all decide to kind of like, you know what, we're going to go ahead and turn in. And at this point, homeless Gunner Hansen says, all right, you boys do that. I'm going to sit by fire a bit and take in the embers. And uh, the entire movie, he's, he's had a glove on his one hand. And I, you kind of just think it's just some peculiar, peculiar kind of nuance to him. But it turns out he takes off the glove and he has a hook. Keep in mind, we already saw the hook man from segment number one, and he looked nothing like Gunnar Hansen. <laughs> but yeah, he's got one. Of the, he's got the hook. It's the and it's the same kind of weird fucking three pronged. Like this is clearly not a hook hooks, and I don't even know how to process that. So yeah, he's stroking his his hook that's not really a hook, and he's just like, "Good night, boys." <laughs> and that's kind of it. Um. Did he murder him? Probably. <laughs> or he's just, he just randomly had a hook. You know, maybe that's offensive. I don't know. Maybe he was just like, you know, a veteran and he's just, you know, he said, these boys let me tell them a few stories. I'm feeling, you know, I'm, I'm feeling like I'm on their level. I feel like that I can be myself around them. So he whips out his hook and, you know, he's just warming up by the fire and he doesn't have to mean that he murdered them. You know, not enough people get the benefit of a doubt. You know, we, we tend to jump at shadows every day. Uh, I mean, that being said, he definitely murdered them. But I'm just saying, like, maybe, just maybe, there's a heart underneath that hook. So that's it. That's Campfire Tales. I'm sorry if I kind of sped through it. You know, they... There's not... There's clearly... There's not much story when you when you don't have a lot of money to move around and... And they and they really didn't. This would this would have been just a a video in the nineties, and and you know not much else. I, I like I said I I'm been a a fucking fervent horror fan my entire life, and I didn't hear hear about this movie until two thousand twelve, when I just randomly found the DVD for five bucks on Amazon, and now this thing's out of print. But worry ye not, gentle listener, because it is available for free in full on YouTube. And is it worth it? Yes, it is. I, It's charming in its, in its simplicity. But it's, it's regional kind of do, DIY. You know, they got one name, probably for a day, Gunnar Hansen, who, by the way, did an excellent job as he always does, 
God bless him. Because then you get to put him on the poster and sell your movie. And you got four segments. The Hook, I'm going to give a seven. A strong seven. Just because I think the story's been told uh, far too many times. Even even by the early 90s, this story has had kind of been like, you know, same shit, different day. You know? So I'll give that one a seven. Uh, Drugs are bad, MK. I'm going to go ahead and give... I'm going to give that one an 8. I love it. I love the uh, the low-budget body horror of it all. And the idea of pot, you know, melting, eventually, like, melting you, like, what they think it does to your, your brains. Ugh. Great job. And it's hard to do it on a budget, you know. Satan Claws, 9 out of 10. Oh, man. I could have done a whole movie of this. Just, like, the creepiness of, like... Late night, Christmas, you know, your conscience getting the better of you. You know he deserves what's coming to him. And, oh, it's beautiful. And then um, Zombie Pirate Bingo, uh, I'm going to give it a seven. It's only sin as it goes on too long. You know, you get the point in about five and a half seconds. But there's so much, like, random, but there's some. there's so much production value in them shooting on the beach and under these conditions that you can kind of understand why they kind of spent more time making that one than than anything else. Uh, The entire affair... Keep in mind, folks, that I love low-budget affairs like this. And as long as, you know, there's some talent, some gumption behind it, you know, it's it's hard to get me to hate a low-budget anthology, and I far from hate this one. I love it. I think it's an 8 out of 10. If you, like, entered the game of anthologies and you're, like, you see kind of like the big ones, you know, maybe maybe you watched VHS or Trick or, Trick or Treat or any of the big ones, and you think, I need to see some more, this probably wouldn't be your next step. But if you're like me and you've seen them all, and you've kind of run the gamut and you you just kind of want to see what else is out there. And you find this peculiar little low-budget movie directed by Paul Talbot starring Gunnar Hansen with a melting pot and Satan zombies and pirate or zombie pirates rather. And I don't know. I just I just had a good time with it. It's fun to see somebody with the love for the genre even if they don't have any money, especially, you know what, especially if they don't have the money, still taking a camera out there, still getting all their buddies out there with this let's make a movie attitude and then tell you some good scary stories. Yeah, I love it. Uh, between this and Chillers a couple weeks ago, a couple months ago probably at this point. By the way, I apologize. I, I don't know if I have any strictly followers type people. You know, anybody who's like, the new one is out. But if you do that for some reason, I apologize. It's just life, life happens. <laughs> and, uh, you know, every now and then you just, uh, it kicks you in the balls. You got to take a seat and uh, regroup. I'm never going to quit. I know that. I know a lot of people quit. I think they say, what do they say, like 90% of podcasts, like, yeah, they just randomly stop within the first year. 
you know, people get frustrated how slow they grow. People, you know, get perturbed by how much work it kind of tends to be. And I'm never going to stop. It may get to the point where I just, I can't quite do it as much as I normally do. Which is where we're at right now. But I'm going to do my best to get back on track. That's my, that's my, my pledge to you. I'm also going to endeavor to do more, more um, well-known, mainstream ones rather. Maybe something even that gives you a little bit more to chew on, in a sense. These are very, very surface-level stories at the end of the day, and they don't really inspire much in terms of philosophical conversation or, you know, or any, like, deep ideals. It's just, like I said, melting pot, pirate zombies. And if you said that to me, like, I, this is going in my cart the next week. Or rather, it's going on my YouTube watch for next week. Uh, for all I know, it's on Tubi. Probably is. Everything is. But it's definitely on YouTube. So check it out. As far as next week, it's either going to be um, peeling open the crypt for a couple of three more episodes of the classic anthology television show Tales from the Crypt. Or, I don't know, I'm going to mix it up. I'll tell you what, I'm going to do a random pick again like I did this week. Just grab one off the shelf. Hey, you know what? Maybe I'll watch Night Train of Terror again. Who knows? This could just be the Night Train of Terror podcast. Because that movie is so fucking batshit crazy. And you could just... Every day would be a different interpretation of it. Like, what the hell were they doing here? If my voice is reaching your ears right now, I just want you to know that I truly, truly appreciate it. There's a lot of content out there. And if anybody just stops and... Gives mine a listen, even if you don't stick with it, uh, even if you hate it, even if you find my personality repugnant, if you find my criticisms uh, woefully inept, maybe you think I stink. Like, literally, you could smell me through your through your phone. Maybe you think, either way, uh, thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I noticed last week I got more female listeners, which makes me feel happy, because for a while there... <laughs> It was uh, it was woefully abundant. It's like everybody who listened was just some dudes. It's just nice to know that we got we got women involved in the genre as well. Now, if only I could get my wife involved, she's tangentially tangentially involved. She's put her voice like kind of sort of here and there, especially with the the VHS movies. But other than that, I can't get her to watch shit. But, you know, love the ones you love. Uh, take care of your business. And keep your head up. I know that these days things are getting kind of weird. But uh, I, I do honestly believe that if we just buckle down and we don't tear each other apart and we just keep our heads up, I know that we're going to see something on the horizon and we're going to be happy that we that we plowed our way through. So later, fuckers.